Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Love Tennis Podcast with me, James Gray, and Roz Satter. Right, first of all, some introductions. We've got a pod debut for Roz. Welcome, Roz. Thank you very much. George is unfortunately called away. So uh, best love to George, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and he, I mean, he's just as good as you. Uh, I wouldn't say he's better. I think he is going to be really struggling to get his job back, if I'm honest. So uh, good luck, Roz. No pressure. <laughs> uh, you've also just come back from Singapore as well. I have. Eventually. Yes, eventually. Yes. Um, it's kind of bittersweet actually uh i think now that the reality is that it's going to go to shenzhen everybody now is waxing lyrical about how good singapore actually was um (laughs) you know i have to admit um i got stuck by steve simon right in front of the tournament director who took a note of my badge and was like yes we'll definitely be seeing you in shenzhen and i'm thinking "Mm, (laughs) will you though will you maybe okay uh, well, anyway, we'll come back to that later. We'll talk a bit about WTA finals because, of course, you were there. But we've just had the Paris Masters and we have a new 1,000 level winner, uh, Karen Hatchinov, or Kachinov, or as some people I've seen say, Chachinov. It's Hatchinov. Now, yeah, my Russian is limited, although I do have an AS level in it, if I don't mind saying so myself. <laughs> I bow <sighs> to your superiority. Uh, yes, it is Hatchinov, or Hatchanov, actually, to be exact. Anyway, no one's ever going to say that. His name's Karen. He had an impressive run. I mean, he he knocked out Alexander Zverev. He beat Novak Djokovic in a final. Is this a dawning of a new era, dare I say? We've seen this before in Paris because of the way because of where Paris is in the in the calendar. I was going to say I was I thought you meant like in the world. I'm like it's in northern France. Surely that can't affect things. Well, it is Paris. Um, <laughs> but, you know, where it is in the calendar, you, you will often get these surprises where um, players are tired and you'll have somebody make the best of uh, make the best of a run. I mean, Filip Krajinovic made the final alongside Jack Sock, who won it, and whose fall from grace has been just as spectacular. Yeah, he's bad. 
Yes, I mean, he, the, he, that's terrible. I don't like to throw sort of things around, but he's bad, he's bad at tennis. I mean, how he got to a Masters 1000, and Kachanov beat him in the first round in Paris this time around, right? So, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that says good. a lot about it. But nevertheless, I've heard people talk about Hachinov a fair bit before, that he could be someone who... I mean, he's world number 11 now, so we can't sniff at that. No, you can't. And he, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Somebody said he out Djokovic Djokovic, but I don't think that that's his style of play. He did he did dictate from uh, from the baseline. He did keep Djokovic um, being yanked left and right and left and right. So if by that you want to say that he out Djokovic um, Mr Elastic then okay but I think he just did it with very very deep heavy hitting that Djokovic just couldn't get around and get any purchase on but he is also a big I mean he's 6'6 six, six. He's, he's a, a big unit and a big server he's got a lot of power He, I think he achieved Grand Slam best results in every slam last year so it feels like there's a gradient going on here. I think it just lacks consistency, though. He's he can he, you know he hasn't really kicked on as much as people thought he would when he started winning challenges. But he's been steady. I mean, obviously he's number eleven in the world. That's nothing to be sniffed at. Mm. But the the real thing will be to watch him. But it, I think it's actually quite interesting. I think because he gets a lot of free points on his serve, but does have a, a little bit of variety, he could actually beat the the favoured new feud to the punch it's good news if you ask me mm-hmm. and of course it's nice for him to beat Djokovic in Paris because I watched him lose to Djokovic at Wimbledon it was pretty placid yeah. you know I think he'd just come through he'd come back from two sets down to TFO in the third round and then to have to go into Djokovic but this time the tables were turned because Djokovic had just come through a remarkable semi-final with Federer I mean he talked about it as maybe the best match that they've ever played I mean I don't know whether it was that <laughs> he said that and then said, well, I suppose I played Nadal earlier this year, so maybe it was the second best match this year. Oh, you have was, to love the shade. He just doesn't quite doesn't quite understand what hyperbole is and how you have it to actually stick by it, otherwise it means nothing. That semi, I mean, sum it up for us. I thought that was actually the de facto final, um, you know, and it was great. It was it was a great match all round. I mean, the first set was super tight. Um, Federer's come back. Well, he had to work really hard for that. And then he just sort of fell away in that tie break. You know, I felt that when they got it to the tie break, that deciding tie break, it, it really was what that match deserved. And then it really just fell away awfully badly for him. Where are we with Roger Federer at the moment? Because... The defeats are becoming slightly more regular than we might like. Now, George and I talk a lot about when he's going to retire, and I have a prediction that involves the Swiss indoors next year. George thinks he's going to go to the Olympics in 2020. I don't see how he can if he doesn't actually do Davis Cup, and he's already said that he's not going to, so I think you're closer to the mark. (laughs) Yes, get in. Which is good because I'm, I've just lost a prediction battle with George because I said Rafael Nadal would end the year as world number one. But that's not fair because Rafael Nadal got injured, so I'm, ta- I'm just taking yeah, a draw. Yeah, taxes and Nadal being injured. Well, it's a nice way to move on to the ATP World Tour Finals because we've just had the draw, of course, earlier this week. But they're in London. Uh, they don't have Rafael Nadal, as usual. Now, he's had an abdominal injury, but he's also having ankle surgery right. so that he can have a clean body. Now, this is Rafael Nadal's body's never been clear of injury because, realistically, he's always carrying something. Again, I sort of think a little bit like Federer. It's worrying when Nadal's like, oh, yeah, I've got this injury. I'm also going to have surgery. It feels like every off-season now he has surgery because he needs it. Yeah. I mean, how... 
How knackered is his body? Well, I mean, think back to when he was uh, when he was really making all the all the running. He was a lot heavier than he was, uh, you know, right now. The pressure that was going through his knees was was quite was quite harsh. The brutality of shot that he has as well all takes its toll. Now we've seen him slim down to take some of that pressure off of his knees, but as as you know from any, you know, if anybody that's done any sport, you'll have a, a, a knock-on effect for everything that you change. There's a reaction somewhere else. Um, I mean, this ankle surgery, this arth- arthroscopy. I mean, I remember when I was discussing having an arthroscopy on my knees, both knees needed it. And in the end, I was told you haven't got enough cartilage to even have one. <laughs> so, you know, you can't you can't do anything. I can remember being told you're going to literally have to move in with your mum in a bungalow because you can't manage stairs. You can't mm. do, you know, so he's not going to be bouncing back anytime soon. No, and, and that's a shame because he's got a very important match against Novak Djokovic in Saudi Arabia, hasn't mm-hmm. he? I mean, he's not going to play that now, is he? You think? Uh, I I would be astounded if he did, and if he did, and further injuries were forthcoming, then it would serve him quite right. Yeah, I it, would have absolutely no sympathy if he tried to make that. What's frustrating for me is that it's going to be a cop out. I think Nadal's going to say, "Well, I'm not fit. It's a bad idea for me to play." And actually, I think there's an obligation on Nadal and Djokovic, or Djokovic, or both, to say, "No, we don't agree." with what this regime has done. We don't want to take the money and actually we're going to stand up for what's gone on in Saudi Arabia and make a political statement. That we, They are both very conscientious and very ethical blokes. We know that mm-hmm. from what they've done in their homeland. They've both done a terrific amount of charity work. We know, I have a huge amount of respect for both of them, which will be greatly diminished if they don't make a political statement about this match. Absolutely. The opportunity is in front of them to do it and yet, it seems like they're going to say no. I mean, it was a bit wishy-washy, their, their press conference answers, where they were like, well, we're, we're monitoring the situation. Even if you set aside what happened, you know, there have been other examples of, uh, of horrors in Saudi Arabia. Roger Federer turned it down. My biggest worry, as you say, there's an obligation. My biggest worry is they're going to pick on a player who doesn't. Um, have millions because let's face it neither Nadal or Djokovic actually need to do this they're minted mm. but they're going to pick on a young and up and coming player I mean if you were Tsitsipas or Shapovalov two two players that people have definitely earmarked as the ones to watch in the future and somebody came to you and offered you whatever they're being offered to, to turn up and play then that puts the onus back on Djokovic and it puts him in a very awkward position because then what does he do does he turn up and honour his original obligation. It's 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 a quagmire. It really is. Well, I desperately hope that no young player does get put in that situation and that if Nadal pulls out, that sort of puts the, uh, the mockers on it. But we do still have a World Tour Finals and yeah. frankly, I'm so used to Nadal not being at the World Tour Finals, it doesn't really feel like it diminishes them particularly. No. Interesting draw. Obviously, uh, if you don't know the format, then what do you don't know? If you don't know the format... There are two groups of four. They all play each other, and then they go through to semi-final and final. So the group, well, I'm going to call it Group A because okay. it's Group Guga Curtain technically. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to go with Group A. It's Marin Cilic, Alexander Zverev, Novak Djokovic, and John Isner, who of course is the alternate who yeah. replaced uh, Rafael Nadal. Remember, no Mohan Martin Del Potro. He's got a knee injury as well. Uh, so there are two alternates, like in Kanish Kuri and John Isner. The other group, Group Leighton Hewitt, is Team Nishikori, Anderson and Federer. Now, to me, it looks like Djokovic has the much harder draw there, doesn't he? It, it does look like it. You know, Zverev's carrying a bit of a shoulder injury. Chilich is steady, but 
unremarkable. Uh, and Isner, this is great for him to be here, whoopee, but I don't see him really rocking the odds that much. Well, as you know, I think John Isner should be banned. Because yes, he keeps making tennis matches last too long. I remember. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, that won't happen in London, fortunately, because it's a late night finish if John Isner really gets going. <sighs> but uh, fortunately, I don't think we're going to get that. The singles is regular three sets. Uh, I think you would expect Djokovic to come out of that group but even yeah. so it's it's not an easy draw it it isn't um i mean i'd expect him to certainly make the the semi-finals if not the final um you know he himself but zverev can zero can do some damage he's beaten if, all the top players he, yeah but then he can and then sometimes he just falls away and the shoulder thing didn't look particularly great mm. so i could see them qualifying top, top of the group the two of those yeah um i mean as much as chilich is a lovely guy um, and so sweet-natured, yeah, that's about it, really. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, he's a, he's a lovely, lovely man to talk to. He really is, but, yeah. <laughs> he's not going to cause any upsets. Let, let's just say he matches the beige of my loft extension painting that's going to be happening fairly soon. Okay. Well, uh, the good news for you is making predictions on this podcast is generally a terrible idea <laughs> because uh, John Millman ruined a great preview of Djokovic versus Federer that we did during the, Australian, the uh, US Open. So thank, thanks very much, John. Cheers, mate. He's a nice guy too. Yeah, well, yeah, except the fact that he ruins things for everybody by being unexpectedly good at tennis. Talking of unexpectedly good at tennis, Kevin Anderson, no. <laughs> <laughs> Another absolute hero of the year. I mean, possibly, we did the ATP uh, awards on this podcast a couple of weeks ago and there was no nice guy of the year. But if there were, it would be Kevin Anderson. He has had the most remarkable 15 months. Yeah. Is this a, just a weird high watermark for him, or has he actually developed into a legitimately top ten player? I think it's a little bit of both, but I, I do I do think that his time has come. He's always been kind of um, shelved as a as a journeyman, and then all of a sudden he's just really hit this like long prolonged purple patch. It's almost as though he has finally just found how to make his game work. He doesn't mm. do much outside of what he's good at, which I kind of respect. He's got a big serve, he does that very well, and that's what he bases his game around. But I think he is more multidimensional than John Isner. I think Isner is just a serve. I think Anderson does have ground stroke, mm-hmm. he does have a really good forehand, and can do some damage. I don't envy Federer having to play him. No, I don't think that's as easy as it looks. I mean, if I if I was to look at that group, I would probably say Anderson, if he has a good clear run, could finish top of the group. And if Federer plays his cards right, he'll try and finish bottom to avoid... Djokovic in... <laughs> to finish second and then avoid okay yeah do you clever. see what I mean yeah, yeah. no because jo- well, Djokovic is going to finish top of the other group oh no that's true actually so he's got to win the group he's got to win it all yeah okay he's got to, no, he's got to, he's got to go against the odds and win it all Roger yeah. Federer the underdog no I just <laughs> I, it's just never going to be that is it no I think Anderson's a good matchup for Federer I know he lost to him at Wimbledon I consider that something of a freak result yeah. With everything it was on, you know, it was on the one, and it was just a strange, strange match. Not to say that I didn't predict it because I did. I said I said Anderson would beat Federer in that match before it even kicked off. Not when he was two sets down, mind. But I think that on a on an indoor hard court, you know, Federer's best surface, yeah. you just can't see him losing to him. And then he's got Team and Nishikori, who. Yeah. God bless them, but Dominic Team this time of year usually only has one leg because he's yeah. played about a million tournaments. I don't think he's necessarily lessened his schedule this year at all, no, to he be hasn't honest. At all. And Kane Ishikori similarly, you know, beginning of the year couldn't win a game, never mind a set. Yeah. So I don't It is it is an easy group 
for, for Federer. It should be. It should be on paper. But kind of this is kind of the problem that we've had with Federer lately is that we don't quite know what to expect from him. Well, OK, so in Basel, I definitely think it's safe to say he looked rustier than a rusty gate. Right. And then things improved when he got to Paris. But that match against uh, an inspired Djokovic really did for him. Now, he'll, he'll have had a good week's rest mm. um, and should come back. I mean, Nishikori can be a pain and seems to be a little bit more resurgent than you'd normally give him. Again, at this time of year, normally bits are falling off him. And team is not what I'd really put as a, an indoor great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose it doesn't really work for him as a as a surface as conditions. Uh, but he's never I, really had great fun here. Well, yeah, and he's also got to play. F- I mean, I always think playing Federer at all in in any of your round robin matches, it I think it makes the other ones more difficult because mm. you go, oh well, you know, if you're playing Federer second, you go, oh well, I don't want to, I don't want to really exhaust myself. First? I'm just trying to check the I'm schedule. Just, yeah, I, I looked at the schedule the other day because I was really surprised that it came out so early. Uh, yeah, that's surprisingly organised no, and no, useful. Nishikori first. Well, there you go. That's the thing. You play Nishikori first, and you think, well, I don't want to go. I don't want to really, you know, exhaust myself here because I've got to play Rog. And I, I just think it it changes the whole frame of the tournament when you know you've got to play Roger. But then this is also the thing with round robin tennis. I think it must be a weird mindset. Because tennis players are not used to losing and then yeah. playing a day later. And we had this in, in, in Singapore. I mean, there weren't many people that were brand new to the to the format at all, but it, it makes it very interesting when you then front up to them, especially if they've had a, a loss in the first round, that they've actually got to pick themselves up and come, come back again. Because if I remember rightly, it'll be winners versus winners in the second round, Robin. Losers versus losers. And right. Then, then who's left over? Oh, so they've rigged it to make sure every match is a live match so Pretty that you much. don't get two Owen oh, two yeah. players playing against exactly. each other in the last game. Oh, that's quite clever, actually. Yeah. Well, that's how they certainly do it on the WTA side. I'd be very shocked if they don't do it on the ATP yeah, side. Yeah, I believe it's I'm pretty sure similar. they do. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it is clever because otherwise you get absolute... I mean, there was a farcical situation last year where because Nadal pulled out after one match, Carreño Busta was basically forced to turn up and play a bit without ever realistically being able to yeah. qualify for the, the finals. So that was a little bit harsh. I think it's a, a fun format. I think it's interesting mm. and it kind of works. And the O2 is a terrific venue as well. Yeah, I mean, um, it'll be a shame when it finally goes goes from there because it, it's kind of felt like the home of the year end um, finale. Where are we? Where are we with the uh, the next movement? Are we in twenty up to twenty twenty in London? Are we? I think it's up to twenty twenty in London, and then um, I think the ATP, much like the WTA, have got a lot of investment out in China. So it wouldn't actually surprise me if it went out there as well I right. mean if the people who are building the Shenzhen um, uh, venue that won't actually be ready in time for the WCA next year um, had any sense they'd pitch to have them one after the other sure and it's been out in China before it was in Shanghai previously yeah exactly but it's been all over I mean it was in New York obviously for a long time it's been in Portugal it's been in Germany That they have moved it around so much as it's nice to have it here it's you know it's three stops on the Jubilee line from the studio it's ideal but realistically it's not a spiritual home necessarily is it i mean it's just somewhere we happen to be it it feels like my spiritual home because that was one of my first tournaments that i ever covered but yeah it's time i think it is time for it to move it does feel a little it it feels like it's got a little staler as years have gone on we already also already have a slam i mean you know we have wimbledon it's a bit greedy to have another one uh, so yeah, goodbye. Get out, you know, go before twenty. We don't even need but why you. Why don't they go to New York and then we can all go for like Christmas shopping and get <laughs> everything done? I mean, you know, you go Christmas shopping in New York. I have been on occasion. 
much. This was back when I had a real job, though. <laughs> when you actually made real money. When I actually made real money. Okay, yeah. very clever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't Christmas shop anymore. I just hand make everything. and Because it's the thought that counts, isn't it? It's the thought that counts. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you send me, a, if you give me anything hand handmade. You can have this. That's handmade. Be... <laughs> uh, the, su- the subject is using hand signals to convey his feelings about Christmas presents. Yeah. Anyway, World Tour Finals obviously kick off on Sunday, uh, run through. We'll probably have a pod during the World Tour Finals, which I'm sure you and George will contribute for. We're hoping George will be back around next week. Uh, and assuming that Ros doesn't annoy me in the last half of the pod, then uh, she'll be back as well. Fabulous. So the tournament we are, of course, in the middle of due to... It's very difficult doing a tennis podcast because there's always tennis on. So I you know. can almost never do it without some sort of result dating you as soon as you open your it's mouth. annoying, isn't it? Very annoying. Uh, just like the next-gen finals, very annoying because <laughs> there's four good players and four blokes whose names I can't spell nor have ever heard before. Of course, the big excitement with the next-gen finals is the format changes. Quite apart from being able to see the likes of Tsitsipas and Rublev, yeah. you know, showing off a little bit at a sort of... What is a... Do you think they take it seriously, the players? I think they probably. I think the top top ones probably do because you know again, like like uh, like London, there's a fair bit of money on the line here. Um, mm. You know, it's not insignificant, um, but it's their last chance. You know, for a lot of them, I was watching their interviews, and you know, I think it was Taylor Fritz. It was like, oh, you know, I didn't get in last year, so this is my last chance. And then after that, they don't get that kind of shot at that that kind of fame and money and focus. Because they're right back in the mix. So it's basically a chance for the youngsters to be... Uh, I mean, it's a spectacular arena as well with that weird red back wall. And I think it's very cool. It's the cool. first time I actually sat and watched it properly. And um, <laughs> and I was just sat there like kind of, what? People are walking around, what? It is. I mean, part of the point of the next yeah. gen finals and, and what I think I like about it is their chance to innovate. Yeah. So they have, of course, no tram lines, no doubles lines. It just looks like a weird sort of computer game court. Uh, they have headphones they can talk to their coaches on. They have automated line calls. One thing which is quite new and an innovation this year is they have to get their own towels. I mean, this is just the biggest storm in a teacup. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do really innovative things with tennis. You know, let's get computers doing the line calls. Let's really, you know, think outside the box. Oh, you got to pick your own towel up, mate, as well. What? Well... Obviously, um, with in light of uh, Fernando Vidasco having his little dicky fit at this poor little kid um, for his towel, uh, and it's been a bugbear of a lot of commentators over the years. I I think that this was always coming. Although they said they were going to have like towel rails, and in my mind, I had like a sort of John Lewis towel rail, with, like, like a heated towel rail, hmm? like a heated towel yeah. rail. Yeah, like it what, should be heated, but it isn't. It's just like a little box at the side of the court. Oh well, then it's just going to get all damp. Exactly. And horrible. Now think about it. Normally you hang your towel. Ta- yeah, normally you hang your towel up, and it looks. It looks nice and pristine, but they've just been dumping it. Like we like we were told never to dump our towels on the floor. And I just looked at it and thought, ew. I get in a lot of trouble for leaving damp towels on beds. That's yes. I get shouted at a lot. Because it's just like you should get out of the shower and you just dry stuff and then put it down. And it's just like you've got I, other things to do. To my shame, I do that when I'm in a hotel room. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I always think... Because it doesn't matter how many times you actually fold up your towel. They change it anyway, regardless of these little notes that tell you, you know, I want to look after the environment. Um, so I thought I've you had to the put... point where I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll just leave it wherever then. I thought you had to put it in the bath if you wanted it changed. I've, I've done both. I've actually hung up a towel and it's been changed regardless. Have you ever used one of those weird string things they have in the bath? Uh, occasionally. Uh, they never work because they dip. They're not... You yeah. know what the problem is? There's not enough tension in the string. Yeah. I'm going very partridge now, but uh, <laughs> there's not enough tension in the string. So the towel gathers in the middle and yeah. dips and it doesn't dry properly. No. 
This happened to me in Monaco. I was fuming. In like a, a, a Monte Carlo hotel, you know, can't get any string tensions. I can't dry my towel properly. I was outraged. You could have actually put it on your balcony probably where it was hot enough. used one of the other 80 million towels well, there were in my too. suite. Anyway, quite aside from towels and hotel rooms... The the innovation about getting your own towel. Do you think it'll stick? Are the player are the players really hating it? Well, I think um I, I think I saw something about Sissipas just moaning about it, but I think that's because he was pretty pooped at the end of his match and that could and, you know I think it's just one more thing to irritate him after a loss. I don't know. I think they, I think there is going to be something at some stage where they'll be able to drape their towel over something and get it themselves. I, I think that's going to be an innovation that will stick. I bet you someone's going to sponsor that, isn't it? I don't know what the draping thing will be, but they'll be like. A- I'm, I'm imagining because you, you'll cover up the you cover Only, up the sponsor if when, but, you, when you drape your towel. No, but there'll uh, there'll always be shots of them taking the towel off yeah, and revealing true. the name of the sponsor. Oh yeah, true. I reckon it'll be someone. I don't, I'm trying to think who'd do it. John Lewis would actually be a good sponsor yeah. for that. Well, you that'd know be... the nice heated towel rails, the sort of S-shaped mm. ones in nice chrome silver. Yeah, I know. I've looked. Am I overthinking <laughs> this? Maybe. <laughs> I get quite obsessed with household items at the moment because trying to move towards having my own house. So Don't quite do it. quite apart from all the difficulties of Don't like buying it. a place, getting a mortgage, getting a deposit together, finding somewhere to live that isn't about eight million pounds, I'm much more obsessed about having my own laundry basket and installing an S-shaped towel rail. Oh, I, I was I was exactly like that when I bought when I bought my house, and now in the midst of this loft extension and living downstairs on my sofa bed, uh, I just wish I stuck to a cardboard box underneath oh, South stairs. Bank. I hate stairs. I don't want to live in a house with stairs. I want to live in a flat where I can or roll bungalow, over. Bungalow maybe. I don't want to live in a bungalow. But you don't want to live in a flat, though. Oh, maybe, I don't know. I live in a maisonette at the moment, and it's just, like, it's the worst of both worlds, because you're surrounded by people because you're a bit like being in a flat, and I still have to walk upstairs to my bedroom like a muggle. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I, I recommend you don't come round to the housewarming and uh, view the loft extension then, because there's, like, lots of stairs. Is that an uninvitation? I think that's an uninvitation to your housewarming, isn't it? I'm recommended that I don't go. Mm-hmm, okay, fine. Much. Right, one place I'm not buying a house is Singapore, that's for sure. <laughs> Partly because it's too air-conditioned, apparently. It's really cold. It gets really cold inside and yep. stupidly humid and warm outside, which you know all too well because you've just come back from there from the WTA finals. First of all, it's been five years at Singapore and now they're moving on. How good is it as a venue and how much do they get behind tennis in Singapore? Uh, in the beginning, it really it really sort of looked like it was going to be a real money spinner. You know, They had the big names in the first year, maybe less of the big names in the second year, which is the first time I went, but it was still a really good event. And then mm. uh, numbers have tailed off, but this year actually was a pretty good year to finish. We had a great lineup, a uh, good champion out of it. Um, and I think towards the end, there was a, a sense that uh, it was a real bittersweet ending. I went to the media lunch where they introduced the people that were sort of taking over and it just it just felt like profound regret all around that it was it was leaving because it's it's a perfect place it's a good mix of east and west people feel at home in singapore shenzhen's going to be challenging for a number of reasons um that's not to say that they won't do a good job but it it just adds a layer of complexity all the wrong people got through to the finals, didn't they? All the top seeds went out, all the wrong people got through, and then Alina Svitolina won it. You said she's a good champion. Why? Uh, because she's she's had a lot of stick for just being little misconsistent. 
and she said about she talked about it actually in her uh, all access where she was like this is a real you know two fingers up to all the haters I'm here and also Sloane Stevens as well um, you know I think in the semi-final was like you know a lot of people said I'd be a one one slam wonder well guess what I made another slam people said that I wouldn't make anything well guess what how about that I'm here and I I, I just thought there was a nice degree of sass having those two <laughs> as the you know as as the finalists and it was nice to see Svitolina sort of I mean she had a miserable time last year I, re- yeah, we, I really feared for a sanity after her, her debut last year which went horribly wrong and had clay feet in all directions mm. um you know she re- she really came good uh hopefully she'll go get that slam next year is that that likely i mean i know she got to the quarters in australia and the fourth round of the u.s but she I don't doesn't think look- she's far I don't think she's far, but when things go wrong for her on the court, they go cataclysmically wrong for her on the court. She doesn't really dig herself out. So she's she's good and consistent. She just needs to hit that extra level. That seems to be one of the quite exciting things about, I mean, the women's tour compared to the men's tour, just to make some sweeping generalisations, is that matches seem to have much more ebb and flow. You know, I watch so many early round matches at slams and mid round matches in 1000 events and it's, Six four six three, and I'm asleep by in twenty minutes. Whereas, well, even at the WTA finals and the semi-finals, Stevens lost the first set to Pliskova six love, and yeah. then goes and wins it. That doesn't seem to, that doesn't seem that rare. No, I don't necessarily know that why that is, but I actually think people don't watch enough women's tennis. I think they would be pleasantly surprised. I think they would. I think people just assume that women's tennis is is just going to be drama all the way, and I, si- and and just assume it's going to be a watered down version of men's, which yeah, is completely and inaccurate. it isn't. There's a lot more variety. I mean that that sem- that particular semi final was was astounding because mm. you know Sloan had played so well, and it just looked like. The, the tap had run out and I remember watching it thinking oh well you know at least on your debut you've done that well and then suddenly out of nowhere she really clawed it back she's she's actually um Sloan cares I mean you know we always joke about you know the hashtag Sloan cares but she actually does it's just a big front that she acts like she doesn't give uh, a monkeys about anything but actually when you when you when you corner her she, she really affects her everything that's that's said about her hmm. well it's in Shenzhen next year why is that going to be so challenging? What's going to be different about it? I mean, it? for me, I'm rolling my eyes because I know from past experience I'm going to have to schlep into London to, you know, I'm going to have to wait to get a letter from the tournament that says that I'm invited to come and cover it. Um, I'm then going to have to schlep into London to go and get the visa or at least leave it there to get the visa and then schlep all the way back to get it. You've then got to look at the timing. So if you're travelling anywhere else, you know, you can't travel while your visa's being stamped in London. I so see. it affects what, you, what you're looking to, to do. Then you've got to get out there. You know, language is going to be an issue. I mean, it's great that they're going to put everything on for you. They'll pick you up at the airport. They'll mm. put you in the, in the official hotels. But then, you know, it, that just... I, that could be Rotterdam or anywhere. It's quite <laughs> the song. Liverpool or Rome. Yeah. Rome. Rome would be good. No, Rome's awful. Why do you not like Rome? I love Rome, and I love I love the fact that the tournament, the, the the courts are beautiful. But that's the only thing that it's got going for it. If you're traveling as a journalist, if you're a fan, it's amazing. Yeah. But if you're a journalist, it's the worst, <laughs> and I won't go again. But Italian organization is usually so good. 
How? I mean, I grew up in the oldest recorded Roman town, and I, I shake my head and I wonder how they actually managed that it. Camelodunum. Ca- yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good knowledge from me. That's very good. I'm really impressed. There's Colchester to, to you <laughs> plebs who don't know what that is. For goodness sake, I, to be fair, I did do a degree in Latin and Greek, so okay. I really should know that sort of you thing. You really ought to. And actually, to be fair, my ancient history is absolutely shocking. <laughs> uh, speaking of ancient history, we are just coming to the end of our time. This Bad. is now ancient history. Thank you very much for listening, Roz. Thank you so much for coming in. You will, of course, be back with us uh, during the ATP World Tour Finals next week, as we hope will George. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.